Hello and welcome to Various Things. I'm Gary Lama. Today's interview is with Ben FM. Ben is a rapper from Richmond, Virginia, was the co-founder of the hip-hop duo Luggage, and since I met him in his early teens, a very bright and confident person that likes to make other people think with his art. This interview is split into four parts. This is part one. Enjoy. I can remember my earliest memory of being a rapper, of trying to make up my own rap on my own. I'm not sure how old I was, but I remember I was sleeping on my granny's couch, and that was a small couch, so <laughs> not like my full height yet. Right. Like at least maybe middle school age. Was it like a love seat? Or? At least like an attempt to make, my, make up my own raps, you know what I mean? A yeah. love seat? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think it was like technically a three person couch, but it was like a tight three person couch. It was like, like a 60s or 70s person couch, not like a 2000s America American couch. Yeah, it was a, yeah, it was a small house. It didn't have small cup holders or nothing in it. Couch. Yeah. <laughs> and you got into punk too. That was that must have been interesting. I mean, those 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 two realms they have some weird symmetry between them. You know, you got that picture of a public enemy wearing the minor threat shirts. Have you you seen that before, right? Yeah, yeah, man, I knew it. As soon as you said that picture, that's what I knew. Yeah, I mean, that's, it's weird because it used to be way more integrated, I think, at a certain level. Um, But yeah, so you got into punk and because you you look at like The Clash and like even like Blondie and stuff, like at at that time, I think it's a lot more integrated I think than it is now but, but actually I take that back because now you got uh, Lil Wayne and Missy Elliott wearing like municipal waist and back patches and stuff like that so <laughs> I mean it's like it's really coming back around you know um, I wonder if that's for the like, fashion though you know like I, I've seen I've, I've seen the uh, <laughs> the was it like a jism patch or something like some weird like uh like pretty obscure thing, you know, and I wonder if they were just kind of like, they got their handlers out there and be like, hey, keep an eye out for obscure things, you know. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, I, feel, I feel like they have people that they're paying good money to know about stuff like that and to tell them which patches to put on there, you know. Yeah. But I don't know. That sounds um, like a cool job, you know. Yeah, that's a great job. Hey, just I got this thing for you. <laughs> Born against. No. Um. <laughs> but what, but, but what uh, you were asking me a minute ago about being into rap and being into like punk and like yeah. metal or whatever. Um, for me, at least, I mean, that it's, it all just goes back to being a preacher's kid and wanting to be into like whatever I wasn't supposed to be into, you know, like whatever had the parental advisory on it, like bad like that's that's what i'm you know that's what i was drawn to i think you were a preacher's kid oh yeah i didn't know that wow i I guess people yeah i feel like oh okay i get it so So you got like that structural kind of thing going on above you You yeah like from like birth to 16 like every week every week yeah wow that was a big part of my life growing up i think all i knew of you was your as far as your parents went? It was your your mom was a science teacher, right? Yeah. So that's got to be pretty weird. You get a preacher and a science teacher. But she's like, uh, I mean, my mom's very religious, also, 
Oh, really? And um, kind of the, almost the way I was, you know, she was like real into Carl Sagan, you know, like, and okay. kind of the way I was brought up was this kind of, just uh, marriage of the two where, you know, you look at Adam and Eve and, okay, this is about evolution. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's, this is, you know, it's, and that's like, that's, that's kind of how I was, you know, brought up. Um, very religious, but at the same time, not as a rejection of the sciences, but more as just like, just a different language for the same kind of deal, you know. I came up the same way, and that's the thing that kind of gets me. I, it wasn't until, you know, maybe like 10 or 15 years ago that I I, I heard that language of creationism encountered to science. You know, like when I was growing up, yeah, yeah, like yeah, Baptist yeah. and shit, like. People say, okay, you, you know, you were brought up southern, rural Southern Baptist preacher's kid. Mm. But at the same time, it really, it was kind of the opposite of what you would imagine with that. I was, it, it was very actively uh, anti-racist, that, you know, like, kind of like hippie liberal Christian. Mm. And, and, for, and from, you know, from the very beginning, like, I, I can remember my mom telling me, like, that, uh, you know, the peach crayon, you know, when I was a little girl, this was called flesh, and that's not cool because, you know, there's different colors of people, you know, blah, 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 blah. It was like early memories for me, you know, so... Wow. And I think, honestly, and, and, and honestly, I think the whole um, scientific, uh, scientific and religious kind of intermarriage stuff. I, I think actually, now that I'm not, now that we're talking about it, maybe my mom didn't get onto that level with it until I was older. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was taught like, and, you know, that, that's the thing, man. When it's like when you're born into it, it's like you get taught these certain, like, things the same way you get taught, you know, two plus two is four, the sky's blue, blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, yeah, even when people are, like, really into it in a bad way, I try, I don't know, it's, a, it's not that I don't blame them, but I try, you know, like, when you're taught something from birth, man, it's hard to, you know, sometimes it's hard to get away from that. It's like, like, Beck is a Scientologist. And people are like, Beck is a Scientologist? Oh, man, that sucks. <laughs> it's like, no, but dude, he was born, you know, he was born and raised, so he kind of gets a pass. Like, oh, okay, it's not quite as bad. You know, like, I didn't know that. I didn't know that at all. I thought he converted. That's crazy. At least that's what, I don't know, that's what the internet says. You know, I don't think my word for it. <laughs> the internet, um... Okay, so you, so you're coming through there. You're coming up as the the son of a a preacher and a scientist. That it's seems son, that's son, yeah. that seems like a perfect description of the way you rap, kind of, because <laughs> you got like this spiritual quality to the stuff you say. At least stuff I've heard. But at the same time, it's very. You're not afraid to get complex with it. You know, you're not afraid to get complicated with it. You're not afraid to. To look at things like that and still have style and that kind of thing. Do you have a religion now? Um, I kind of, yeah, I kind of have my own. Mm-hmm. You know, um, for a long time, uh, like uh, I was maybe fifteen or sixteen when I started questioning just the plate I was given. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of that was from listening to punk and stuff, and 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 you know, like 
and hearing about, you know, like the negative side of what these institutions are capable of, you know what I mean, which I wasn't exposed to, you know, because my Christianity was hippy-dippy, we love everybody, right? you know what I mean, and I, I you know, it wasn't until I got older and learned about more of the world, like all these, uh, you know, all these other terrible things, you know what I mean, and so maybe like 15 or 16, I remember telling my mom, I'm like, you can't make me go to church. That's messed up, you know? And she was like, yes, I can. And she, <laughs> like, she made me go one more time. Then she, she felt bad. And then she was like, yeah, you're right. It's messed up. You don't have to go if you don't want to. <laughs> and so I quit going. And, that, and maybe like a year later, or no, I was already like straight edge and all this kind of stuff before I like, quote unquote, left the church. Mm-hmm. Um, once I kind of rejected religion, I guess, initially, that's when I got real gung-ho about, you know, being, I don't know, geeking after this, like, da-da-da-da-da. I think that, you know, kind of filled up, you know, I kind of replaced one thing with the other, yeah, you know, in a way. They're like a moral ethic, yeah. Yeah, something, you know, so, you know, like, just something to do to, like, make myself feel like I was doing something good. I mean... You know, I don't know. I just, like, wh- whatever, you know, Christianity was doing for me before I turned 16, that's what I, what, that's, you know, that's what I needed from uh, the, the whole activists and, you know, I, I'm not going to say just punk music, but just the, 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 the deeper aspect of, like, protesting things. Mm-hmm. And, and and let's be honest, telling people, you know, how, you know, how, you know telling people how they should be and uh, you know I'm always speaking for myself here but like thinking that I knew everything and like trying to you know tell everybody that you know <laughs> um, yeah and then so so for a while I just did I just adopted that which was still just an outside thing it's still just me like latching on to something that's already going on as opposed to like what do I need to do for me you know making my own thing which is, I think, everyone should do, you know, like, especially yeah. nowadays, you don't need to just, I don't know, but I'm getting away from what I was talking about. Um, I can continue on with that. That sounds, I mean, yeah, yeah, what yeah. Are you I know. We could, we could chase rabbits all day. <laughs> that, that's kind of like the time when people form their identity or, or they start trying to form their identity. So, so like, usually, like 16, 17. Yeah, you know, because that's usually, I don't think anyone, I'd, I'd be kind of wary of someone that didn't reject their previous one, right. you know, like you kind of right. got to right. level the playing field. And a good way to do that is to some people get into the exact opposite or, you know, whatever, but yeah, you run off, yeah, run off in the other direction and that, you know, yeah. Okay. All right. It's like boundary. So probably I had to probably I had to go and do that before I was ready to like, yeah, obviously. This concludes part one of our four part interview with Ben. All of our episodes are available at variousthings.org. This interview was recorded on April 1st, 2014. things. This is part two of our four-part interview with Ben FM. Enjoy.
So when you were into punk, were you like, were you listening to like rap and stuff simultaneously? Absolutely, absolutely. How did you least, feel they they went together? Did you feel like pulled, split, or like? Um, there's a dude named Jonathan Cox who uh, I haven't spoken to in years, but I was friends with this guy like third grade through like maybe sixth grade. And he had an older brother, and his older brother, from what I was evidently into all kinds of really cool music. And this dude put me on to everything from, like, the Gorilla Biscuits to Talking Heads to, like, Dream Theater. To, like, everything. It was just like, yo, have you heard this? Have you heard this? Have you heard this? And so I think from a very early age, I was into all kinds of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, but at the same time, that goes that goes back to doing rap music because that's one of my favorite things about, and it's not even a genre to me. It's like a complete, it's a, it's a, it's more than just a genre because that's part of the nature of it is that hand a, hand a capable producer, or beat maker, any record from any genre, Perry Como, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like he'll find a loop and he'll flip it up and he'll take those sounds and, you know, and make it like it can absorb anything. You know what I mean? Well, it's that's more like an that's... art form than a, than a, it's an art form that genres can appear in and that maybe predominantly there are some genres of that we accept as rap or whatever. But I, I think punk is, is kind of the same way because it's, it's, it's a multitude of genres in it, but it's more of an ethic to a certain no, extent. You're right. You know, you're right. Cause you can, cause you can, I mean, you take like whatever style of music it is, even if it's something old, and okay, here's this band, and they're doing like doo-wop songs, like barbershop quartet. Let's say you and me start a barbershop quartet right now, right. sort of guys. <laughs> Except our barbershop quartet, we 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 sing really fast, and like we don't, you know, like we break bottles over half the shit, you know, like that's a punk ass <laughs> barbershop quartet, you know, like true, true. <laughs> True. You know, we gonna piss on the audience and bleed on the audience and do our thing, like you know, like. So you saw them both. Is that really not punk? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, like that's 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 <laughs> something I've been thinking of a lot, you know, and I think I think maybe it needs to be a little more like kind of brought to the front is that you know for some folks punk is a genre, like, and for other folks it's it's an ethic. I think in in the hip hop realm or in the rap realm, it, it, it's just called hip hop and hip hop's looked at as the ethic. I think that like those two terms are like the, the, the term of hip hop is trying to do the idea of, of the, as the punk as ethic thing, you know, cause it was like the, you know, the three elements and all that stuff. And, and emceeing was just part of this culture, thing. The time. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, um, yeah, man. when did you, decide that like I'm going to try and actually record some raps and um and you know see where that goes when did you realize that like uh you could uh, actually rap? I think you can answer that question uh, <laughs> the stuff that we did was that the first time you'd been recorded that that was the stuff that you and me did what year was that like 90 probably like 98 or 97 97 98 yeah it was um, pretty early I think the only time I ever was recorded prior to that was I did like this little, like, I think it was 16 bars at the end of the independent demo. Oh, wow. Um, 
Oh, I remember that now. So, so they were, so, you know, they had, you know, I just was kind of there like roadie slash hangout. Dude. I went to the, I went to their practices and shit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, um, so you know, I was a hang around for those guys. And so, you know, when they got in, they went and bought, paid for studio time. And they're like, yo, man, do your, do, do your little thing at the end. And I think, and, and so that was the first time I'd ever actually been recorded. And I wow. think once I heard that back and it didn't sound terrible, at least to me at the time, I haven't heard it in a while, but I think that's, you know, when I, and I don't even remember how you and me started talking about it, but that was, you know, after the independent thing, the stuff that you and me and Ryan Shea did, that was, that was the beginning. See, that's so weird, because when you came in there, I was like, well, Ben's a rapper. Like, I already had it in my head. I, I assumed you had done a bunch of stuff before. If I had known that you hadn't, I probably would have been more nervous about it. <laughs> but you seemed so professional about it. I was just like, okay, here's the mic. You're like, okay, I got my thing. You know, I was like, how are you doing your thing? Like, I was trying to look at you, like, trying to figure out how you're doing it, you know? Because <laughs> you just came off like that. You had this, like, right from the get-go, I guess, then. You you kind of knew what you were doing, or at least you could convince other people that you did. That's, well, I mean, like I, I I've been doing it internally, right. for a long time. You know what I mean? Um, I, I've done it in front of people. You know, like going to the open mics or the poetry slam or you know whatever. Like, you know, I remember I got up. I was at a. I was in high school. This was definitely before you and me before those sessions. I I was at a. Freaking Africa, Africa Bambada, the Jazzy Joyce at the Flood Zone, oh, and, they, wow. and they were like, and they were like, yo, who wants to get up and rap? And I just went up there, you know what I mean? <laughs> and looking back, I'm like, what are you? Are you crazy? And then everybody's looking at me like I'm crazy, and like I try to do my. I don't think anybody can hear what I was saying or anything, but like, but I fucking got up there, you know what I mean? Like without even really thinking about it, you know. And looking back, I'm like, Jesus, what was I? T-? You know, like where did I get the the, you know, the balls on this kid, you know? Um, and I remember you remember me in high school, man. As, as yeah. like goofy as I am now, like you know, I was even more of a dork back then, man. <laughs> but I didn't. I'll tell you this: I didn't get lewd. You know, I don't. I, I think I kind of blacked out once I was actually like, you know, had the mic, but is went into muscle yeah, memory. But I, I didn't get. I, I didn't get fucking lewd, man. I know that. That's amazing. So. <laughs> it's like your little eight mile, except it was like oh, ten thousand times better to his Africa Bambada. A little yeah. baby eight inch. So. <laughs> that's amazing. I didn't know you did that. Yeah, that that's that's. But you, that's the thing though. You've always had this confidence about you. Um, there's, I think I think that also goes back to the to the whole to the PK preachers kid thing, man. It's like really like like seeing like every week. That's that's like your you know you're like uh, Pater Familius. You know what I mean? He's getting up there and like everybody's listening to him. Every week, you know, like, I think that was, that's what, that's what made me more comfortable. Just, I mean, just with getting up in front of people, you know, just seeing him do it every week, you know what I mean? Yeah. Not with, I mean, maybe not as far as, like, my actual capabilities of being able to be any good at it, but just to not being scared to, you know, get up and try, at least, you know. I think that, you know, that just, a lot of that just, you know, comes from growing up that way, you know. Yeah, that you're probably right. That that probably was the the in, that influence that to make it really comfortable. I mean, because a preacher is pretty much pretty much an MC. I mean, he gets up there, he does his thing, it's and gets back Tell down. Everybody, like what what the deal is? Like, yeah, and you're like, speaking something that 
that people are depending on, which is interesting too, because at least in like, maybe not current rap, but (laughs) for a long time, people were really depending on the words coming out of an MC's mouth, you know, just as they were the words coming out of like, or maybe the actions coming out of a punk band, you know, people, it was an, it was an informing action, you know, it was like, it was relevancy. It was news to a certain extent. Especially like, I mean, obviously, obviously you bring a public enemy when you're here, but it's like, especially when that's the only place, you know, whether it's punk or, 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 you know, whatever, if, if there's something that you need to hear and this is the only place that you can hear it. Mm. And, and, and I think that's, and nowadays that's the whole thing with why everything is so different nowadays is because with the internet, blah, 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 you can hear whatever you need to hear. You know, like, what do you need to hear? Just type it in. Here's like all these different things that say it and you can listen to it. Whereas for us, when we were in those formative young years, like, if you needed to hear somebody saying fuck, you know, fuck teachers and fuck parents, like, you had to get a suicidal tendency state or mm-hmm. else, like, you, there was no one else to say that to you, you know, mm-hmm. like, whereas now you can probably, like, I mean, you just type in fuck parents, fuck teachers, and there's, like, probably an anime about it or, you know, like, <laughs> 19 other things, which is not that that's a bad thing, you know, it's, I mean, it's obviously not going anywhere anytime soon, but. It's a weird it's, thing. That's just part of the difference, you know? Well, it's a weird thing. Between then and now. Yeah, I mean, because, well, if you think about it in terms of, like, you know, I I think when I was a kid, I was making music because the the commentaries that I wanted to hear just weren't there. You know what I mean? Like, like I could listen to Dead Kennedys sing about Ronald Reagan or some shit, but, like, if I wanted someone to, like, talk about how stupid this curfew law was or any of the shit I was doing when I was like 16, you know, like there was no commentary for it. You know, I wonder if like I'd found a song like that. If, um, if I wouldn't written it, it's weird because like having action access to that information, it can kind of have like a sedating effect on your own creativity. You know, like if you can find the atmosphere that you're looking for, you might not try to make a beat that feels that way or, if yeah, yeah. if you're uh you know if you're trying to paint a picture or something then you discover some artist that like just did everything you're thinking about you just say oh never mind i like that <laughs> you know it's, it's weird like, man. I, it's like this conversation i was having with um my friend Rand. they call him sam Rand, very pro- prolific beat maker in richmond right now uh-huh that kind of thing um but we were talking about like a lot of younger kids especially nowadays that they want to like they hear a song they want to sample it you know they they just bring it up on YouTube and plug that into the, you know, and, and, and sample it that way, whereas he will, he doesn't use anything that he doesn't have on vinyl. Right. And how, and it, it, and just how the ups and downs to both sides of that, you know, whereas, yeah, yeah it's awesome, like, yeah, I started this great way, like, all these five things would go together really well from, this, you know, it was like, there's no way you would ever be able to do that without the internet and it's a wonderful thing and yeah, it sounds great and thank God you had the internet and you can make this. So that's on the one hand, but on the other hand, it's like, it's almost like letting the, uh, what's available. It's like having to make do with what you got. It makes your, it's like almost makes it, uh, uh, you know, when you, 
when you don't have all the things you need or everything you want to do, you have to. You only have certain things you have to work with. You have to work within these parameters. It's like giving someone a deadline, kind of. It's like you, you, you have this box of things you have to work with. Whereas you have the whole world to work with. It's like it's an overload sometimes. Oh, I hear you. I, so you get these three records. It's like I'm just gonna put this record on and find something on this record to use. Yeah. And you listen in a different way. You listen closer. You listen deeper when you know that's all you have is this one record. Whereas yeah, you if you sit on YouTube it. and you have every song ever made to choose from the sample, you might sit there all night and yeah, you might make a dope beat, but it's going to be a lot. It's, it's going to have a different feel than that beat you made when you had that one record and you just had to dig through that until something spoke to you. But that's it's not just with beat making. It's like with anything, you know, like when... You know, like rap in general, why did these dudes make this kind of music? Like, popular music at that time, you had to have, like, 12 people with instruments. Like, that shit costs a lot of money. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, all we got is a record player. And a couple, you know, we got, like, a, you know, this is all we got. So, we, you know, we want to do something, you know, and we want to we wanna do something with it. So we got to think of something new to do. You know, like if, if Grandmaster Flash could have afforded 19 saxophones and shit, like, he probably would have started a funk band. Generally speaking, the, the, the economic aspect, that was a lot, a lot of what drove it in the creative direction that it went, you know. And that concludes part two of our four-part interview with Ben. All of our episodes are available at variousthings.org. This interview was recorded on April 1st, 2014. various things in part three of our four-part interview with Ben FM. Enjoy. Like if you put on an old beat by let's say, um, like any, I mean the, the RZA is great for this stuff. I mean, if you listen to any of his earlier stuff, like before the Bob Digi, all that, um, he used to have a talent for finding just really grimy, interesting things. And the kind of, there'd be kind of like a little hook to it. And the hook might actually be like an imperfection in the record that was playing, like the way yeah, something jumped yeah, yeah. a little bit, you know, and a lot of hip hop used to be like that. Like there, like the scratchiness of it actually became like another instrument in the loop, you know, like the way that the hat would hit or something like that, that little crackle. Yeah, and that's another huge parallel with like, punk and stuff is just like the, the noisiness of it. Yeah. Know, like, uh, especially, you know, like you look at like, uh, I, I get public enemy, like bomb squad that made all their beats. Like it's like, like they, they, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, they, they might have a saxophone sample and they'll take the ugliest noise and the whole sample and make that the whole, you know, and that, but that, but when it hits you every four, it just hits you. You know what I mean? Like they took mm-hmm. the, the smooth note, you know, it wouldn't have made you sit up the same way, you know, like their production style was just night and day different from everything else. And, and, and was just so appropriate for the, you know, like, cause people want to say that's what made public enemy different. You know, the message of course, but like without, 
without this new sound too to make you know when it came on to make you sit dead up and like listen before you even started talking mm-hmm. like it you know it, it, it might not have been you know as successful as it was it might not have you know gotten as far as it did like well, obviously that was something that everybody needed to hear but like man like even like just the beats alone like were so like just next level from anything else like and he's the man that the early Ice Cube stuff where he uses them like before I guess then the Chronic came out and then he started doing just like West Coast beats but all that the Ice Cube solo stuff before the Chronic came out mm-hmm. he was using the Bomb Squad that's some of the yeah dude some of my favorite shit well, I'd seen an interview with Public Enemy, and it, it became clear to me in watching it that the reason that they were able to do all that stuff is because they were super, super serious about it. Like, they were, like, professional. Like, if they had decided, you know what, let's not make music, let's just occupy a city building and um, take yeah, it over, yeah. like, they would, like, there would have been no change needed in the way that they were formed, and they would have done it seriously. And I think that's the thing that it really pushed them into that space was they were very serious about their beats. They were very serious about who was in their group. Um, I mean, they took things very serious. I mean, it reminds me almost of like the, the conversations you see surrounding like, um, like militant groups, like even like the, uh, well, yeah, the weathermen I mean, or something. They're, they're quote unquote backup dancers. The S1W, they're up there doing military style drills. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, <laughs> And that's not all, you know, and those dudes were like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like other groups had, you know, like, you know, guys doing the running man stuff. And these dudes are out here doing like military drills. Yeah. Know, like, I think they took seriously the words of the people that had come before them in those spheres of like popular African-American dialogue and realized that like you know what, what we are doing at this point in time right now is revolutionary. Like, we are making a music for our culture. hundred percent. hundred percent. And it was. Yeah. And I it mean, really, you I mean. Tell me, you, you want to tell me Chuck D was sitting around like, yo, we could sell a bunch of records with this uh, pro-Africa shit. No way, <laughs> dude. No way. Because, yeah. I, I mean, I, and maybe someone could make that argument and, yeah. You know, and I wouldn't know how to logically defeat them, but it boils down to listen to that man speak to you. I believe him. Yeah. I, you know, like, I, I believe what he says. Oh, I totally and, believe Chuck D. You know what I mean? And there was a weird resurgence around that time, too, because you, you started seeing, or I shouldn't say it, a resurgence, because African-American thought really not, never had that that place in the entertainment world before, like, or in at a least pro- like in the amongst white people, you know what I mean? Right. Like, but like with things like uh, in living color, like the TV show, um, and, uh, uh, with the Wayne's brothers. And, um, that was like a weird, like crossover thing, you know, like you had tons of white kids watching it, but also like it was the first time that like black writers were really getting something that they could like seriously make commentary on, even though it was a comedy show. But it was, I mean, even, I mean, if you look at the skits, like they were definitely like speaking about stereotypes and and this kind of thing. But also, you know, there seemed to be an infectiousness just coming around from that. And I I don't know what it was. I mean, you had the Greek riots back then um, down at uh, Virginia Beach. You know, P talked about that, um, Greek Fest riots. And then the, uh, 
you know, you can even hear the sound go over to, uh, like, I mean, geez, if you want to listen to something amazing, I mean, you know, NWA's, uh, respect yourself. It's amazing to listen to that song and realize what those folks went on to do. <laughs> like Dre talking about not smoking weed and this and that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't smoke weed or cess. Don't smoke weed or cess. Neither. I thought those were the same thing. But he doesn't smoke either one of them. You know what I mean? He only. But really, that's what he's telling you, Gary. That's what he was telling us. He only smokes the chronic. And oh, I got you. Ooh, see, I never even realized that until this moment. Oh he my didn't god. Smoke weed or cess because all he smokes. It was a pre-chronic album drop. It was like dot, dot, dot. What you call that? What's what's that called? Dot, dot, dot. Is it an ellipse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. Before we leave uh, In Living Color, (laughs) I I think that was also, like I want to say early 90s, I think that was kind of, at least in popular culture, and by popular I mean something that, white and black people watch in America. On In Living Color, that was like kind of the birth of the, the like, the dumb face white dude, you know, like the, the like the, like nowadays that, that's a very popular thing, like, oh, well, white people do this. Oh, honey, oh, we're Right, I got gotcha. you, yeah. You know, and that's, and I think that white dude, that cheesy, dorky, stereotypical white dude is very important. And oh, I think yeah. we don't see enough of that white dude in, in you know, in TV. And, and so, you know, that Nick Cannon white face, I think it's wonderful. I, I want to see more of it. You know what I mean? Like The thing people I don't think really get is how, how important culture is to people's movements. I, I think people really tend to overlook, like, the powerful qualities of how culture kind of carries these sentiments through time, you know? Yeah, like, a thousand percent, man. Like, you, you really think you have, like, like whatever you, like, I mean, if we're talking about political, you know, protests or political activism, yada, 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 like, let's say, where, you know, whatever level you had of that in the 60s where, like, you know, even the White House is freaking out about it. Like, mm-hmm. you really think you have all of that without the Beatles, dude? I swear to you, you don't. Yeah. So you might have had, you might have had some of it. You might have had a little of it. It wouldn't have been. I mean, maybe you take acid away also. Yeah. But I feel like the Beatles are just as you know. You take acid away from the Beatles, or you take people away from acid either way. But you know, it's 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 huge, man, because that affects especially and especially when you are younger. You know, when we're these like more formative years, like mm-hmm. what you're listening to, like or what you're reading, or you know, like what really strikes those chords in you, you know, not just, not just what you read and say, oh, that makes sense, da 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 but like, something you hear, something you see, and just, oh, man, yeah, you can't, you know, like that, like that, like that, like, you can't get that just from a, like, you, like, you need, you need that creative content to have that feeling, to, to, to get that level of, of understanding, I think, because ultimately, it's, we're not accessing anything like, magic really we're just seeing out of each other's eyes you know we're just like if you listen to a song like oh man now i really have to do this no you you just got into that dude's thoughts for a minute and you know like because that's all that's all else there really is you know like that's mm-hmm. all of the world there is is the, what we're all looking at you know like you had people like the beatles that were taking 
political sentiments by theorists and, and maybe just politicians, but things that were very not accessible, maybe, to people either in their tone or, or who, who these statements were aimed at. And the artist can reinterpret that and reflect not only what the statement was to make it, you know, if, if, if they want to make it more palpable to to a group that's listening, but they can also show how it fits in. They can, if there's absurdity in it, they can, they can lampoon it to show absurdity. They can make it relevant. They like Chuck D like he could, he could take the work of Malcolm X and Martin Luther King and show its relevance to what's going on right now. You know, because I think people get tied up and they, they lose the moment and they lose the, the thought that was kind of going along with it. And, and someone, a good artist can kind of, show that now and kind of reconnect that. And it's, all, it's, it's, it's almost like a human centipede kind of deal. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> like, you feel like, let's say, like, in my, you know, truest, truest moment as an artist, like, I'm, like, let's, let's say, uh, at least, and I'm only speaking for me, Yeah. like, let's say, uh, you know, I'm sitting down, I'm I'm going to write something that I want people to hear. You know what I mean? I don't know what I'm going to write. And I'm telling this is a real story. This happened recently. Okay. And, uh, you know, I don't know we put the beat on. I don't know what I'm going to write. Um, and let's look at these. Uh, I opened a book from a really long time ago and started reading words that someone else said a really long time ago. And um, these words, you know, then for whatever reason of instant circumstances in my life that have obviously have nothing to do with this dude that died a really long time ago. His, you know, his words uh, seem like my words. You know what I mean? Like I know what he almost sounds like he's talking about what I'm going through. And this makes me feel some type of way, like <laughs> a particular type of way. And then, so when I write, I feel confident that I'm, you know, I'm in this zone of where he, you know, where not only where he was or where I am, but where we, me and him have been. And I'm, I'm, I'm in there when I'm writing. And so I'm not saying now everybody that hears this song is going to be like, oh my God, but it's in there. And if somebody else is in the right, you know, it's, it's, if they're in the right place where I was and, and where I, honestly believe this person that died a really long time ago also was if they're in a similar place yeah it'll all line up you know like it might not be a straight line but it'll connect you know what i mean yeah so you're like channeling that that place that that person was at and trying to kind of speak it from a modern perspective and then when you think about this dude that wrote this book back in the day he's he's doing this you know he he didn't just get that from nothing. Yeah. You know, he probably, when he was a little kid, he sat around the storyteller from the village or whatever, like, you know, it, 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 so it, it, it never stops. And that's, and I think that's really the ultimate, if you're like a creative type person and you're not really trying to build pyramids with your life, like, that's the, that's your, that's the ultimate thing you can attain. That's, that's your, that's the highest you can get is just to be connected into that chain. You know, so it's like a continuum yeah. of culture, essentially. Yeah, just a, just a, just to be a piece of it, you know, just to just to have it for a minute, you know.
that concludes part three of our four-part interview with Ben. All of our episodes are available at variousthings.org. This interview is recorded on April 1st, 2014. things. This is part four of our four-part interview with Ben FM. Enjoy. After you started recording, um, when did you decide to really try and make a go of it? Like start putting records out and that kind of thing? Um... Well, I mean, I kind of haven't yet, in a way. Um, I've never really been on anything that was actually, quote-unquote, put out. Um, I've made a lot of music over the years with a lot of people, but it's mostly, I mean, it's, and that's another, you know, like, I guess that's punk, that, you know, it's always just, <laughs> we've made our own CDs and just given them out to people, you know, like, but I mean, um, you you and Luggage didn't y- y'all put out like a like a like a bunch of songs, didn't you? Um, yeah, I guess you could say we the last album that we did a few years ago. I mean, it's on Bandcamp or something. Okay, um, well that counts we nowadays, made, you know, man. Yeah, yeah, we, we made <laughs> <laughs> he made some copies, I think. You know, so yeah, I guess I mean, I guess that counts nowadays. If someone can get a copy of it, then yeah, it's been released. You know. <laughs> And like a uh, way other than like borrowing it from you, and yeah, I would I would count it as being released. <laughs> but uh, well, but I mean, I I guess a better answer to your question. Mm. Um. So well, I don't know. I was for a lot of years, you know, I was into it, and we were doing it. But yeah, I maybe wasn't. I'm a lot more passionate about it now than I have been in a long time. And okay. A lot, a lot of that is, I mean, maybe it's partially just being, doing my own music now as opposed to being in that situation mm-hmm. with that person. Um, but also, you know, very recently, a lot of people just in the local Richmond rap scene have passed away, like within the past year and a half. Mm-hmm. Like, it's been like the one after another. Um, and actually, that story I was telling you earlier about writing that song, like that was another thing. That, that was another crazy thing about that was that I got the news about Joe Threat, one of these people, like while I was writing that song. Um, oh wow! And then, and just and, and and one after another, man. Cleft Dallas, who I think I met once, but I respect the hell of out of a lot of people who respect the hell out of him that knew him a lot better than I did. Um, and then honestly, when MCA, dude, because MCA was my favorite as a kid for a long time. Then, I guess that was a little bit before then, then mm-hmm. Chad Rex, who was like my freaking mentor. See, one who I barely knew, but was definitely in the, 
you know, had just gotten to town, kind of. I just met him a couple times. Mm-hmm. And then Joe Threat, just like, just like one after another, like, beautiful people making beautiful music, and now they're all, like, bam, 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 bam. And it's just like, it, every time it's just saying, it's like, it's like, dude, like, this is going to happen to you one day, too. Remember, like, you know, like, every, every day that I don't <laughs> make a song, every day that I don't, put something into what I'm trying to do with my time here is that that's a day closer to, you know, my last. So I hear that, man. Us, obviously, you know, and uh, is it, is it, you know, is it cool that it took that to get me off my ass and get me serious about what I'm doing? No, it's ridiculous, but I mean, I'm here now. You know, that's, I, I, I had a similar experience. I was driving to a doctor. I mean, it wasn't in losing people, but it was fear of losing myself. I was driving to a doctor. I had some issues and I didn't know what it was. Yeah, it was man. the first time I ever, I really thought, I mean, if you looked at what my symptoms are and that kind of thing, I was like, man, what am I doing? You know, that whole drive out there, I was just like, I'm not, I don't have anything I want. It, it gave me a lot of uh, motivation to like uh, make sure I was getting my stuff out there and um, try and be more formidable about running a record label properly and this kind of thing. Um, but it, yeah, it, it's moments like that where you realize that it's not limited and it's something that we all know, you know, we all know that there's a, there's a time limit on it, but it can be so monotonous at times that you forget it, you know? Yeah, man. But it's, and that's really a lot of the whole, thing is not forgetting that man like you like remind yourself every morning that you're gonna die i think that's like <laughs> that's maybe half the battle <laughs> not only that you're gonna die but that everybody's gonna die <laughs> yeah well i mean it's not guaranteed you know i mean that's god i mean when i when i when i had my daughter it was a uh it's a weird experience because you know i've i've been present with that kind of mortality thing for, th- recently probably for like past five or six years, I've been able to keep pretty present with it. And, um, it was weird because, uh, when I had my daughter, all of a sudden nothing else mattered in a weird way. Like all of a sudden the reasons that you were like living for before the things you were like really trying to like keep on top of, like all of a sudden they're kind of like extra. And so you yeah. had to kind of like realign back around that or whatever. It was weird. When you're talking about working with what you have and kind of like struggling to do these things and talking about public enemy and how hard they work to do these things, I think it's just really easy to be a musician nowadays um, in, in all genres, like in all genres. Like it's just much easier to well, put your stuff out. Well, like, I'll tell you what. Nah. It's, it's, it's easier to put stuff out, but the rap music especially modern rap music, to have any kind of longevity whatsoever is, like, almost unheard of. Yeah, well, that's the flip side to it. (laughs) Because, like, the the style is evolving so fast. Mm -hmm. The shit that sounded really cool last year might sound kind of cool this year. Next year is going to be, it's not going to be whack. It'll be ratchet because we don't stay whack anymore. I found that out for 12-year-olds. But um, it moves so fast. So like, and most and and most of the time, it's like, okay, there's this new this new style, and this is and these guys are doing it. We'll put them on. All right, nobody wants to listen to this anymore. These guys can't do anything else. Time to find somebody different. Whereas you take a guy like Jay Z, a guy like Busta Rhymes, like 
especially J. I mean, especially J. Though, like, it doesn't matter what sounds cool. He can do it. Like, yeah. you put it off for two seconds. Like, I swear to God, he's never like really used the same flow twice unless he made a reference to it as kind of a win. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. I mean, he's just, he's a rapper's rapper, dude. Like, I mean, everybody says that you know, he's their favorite and people, or some people can't believe that I say that he's my favorite, but I mean, just, I saw just the way he rides to be like nobody else, man. Like, he raps for that beat. I mean, I try to do the same thing, but, you know, like, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't write something or I rarely will write something and then put, and then find a beat for it because, like, that's, to me, that's backwards. Like, I got to hear the beat, you know, the beat kind of almost informs what I'm doing. That's when it's best, at least for me, I think. It's your planet, man. It's your environment you're living in. Like, you got to, you know, it's like evolution, man. Like, the only reason our eyes and shit work the way they do is because the environment we live in. And so if you're writing lyrics... It yeah, might be yeah, best yeah. to consider the environment you're living in for that song. You know what I mean? Like, because it all has to do with that. And I think the and look, biggest. I, and I need to shut up because I'm revealing too many of my secrets to mm. these young rappers that are going to listen to this podcast. <laughs> well, that's the like, interesting. Yeah, if the beat has a huge stab in it or something that's like louder than the other parts, you might want to take your breath right there as yeah. opposed to trying to like talk over it. You know, just like little things like that. You know, and that's. And I don't know, man. And, I don't know. Let me just stop sweating JD for a minute. Um, so now you're in a space where. Oh, no, no, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. I don't know what I was going to But a lot of people don't like uh, people who do like older rap music and don't like newer rap music. A lot of times their complaint is like, oh, it's not as lyrical. They're not, you know, it's just, it's more simple, it's dumbed down. What they're not realizing a lot of times is that, like, the beats have gotten so much more complex. And so much more, like, that you have to simplify, you know, like, if you try to rap, you know, a mile a minute, all this lyrical stuff over this, over this beat, it's like, you know what I mean? Like, oh yeah. if, if there's so much going on in the beat, then you kind of have to, you, you can't get overcomplicated with the way you're rapping because it's just not going to sound right. Going forward with your music are you trying to do like the solo thing? Are you trying to like look for new groups or what? Well, going, going forward briefly for my own music, I'm kind of trying to collect right now. Uh, what I'm working on doing is going back and collecting all of those old recordings, which I don't know if you still have the stuff that you and me made, but I don't kind of going, trying to collect all the stuff I've done since the beginning and kind of tried to do a little like greater zips kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, with some new stuff on it too, because uh, now for the first time I'm recording my own, you know, my own stuff. I don't got to go to nobody's house to record me or depend on nobody else's kindness. If I, you know, if it, if it strikes me, I could just go in there and do it. You know what I mean? Okay. Um, so you get your own setup. Yeah, 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 and that's and that's made a big difference. Um, so yeah, I do. I, I mean, I do want to push my own individual music, and I am doing my new of my own individual music. I just played a show the other night. It was really fun. Probably one of the best experiences I've ever had playing live. Honestly, really? Um, yeah, I saw pictures from that. I think. Yeah, man. It it was it wasn't a thousand people there, but it's I, everybody that was there was really like participatory. <laughs> if that's a word, yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it felt really good. Um, 
so I am doing, you know, working on my own stuff, but also kind of larger than that, something that I'm definitely wanted to talk about at some point during this time. Um, me and my buddy Fan Ran, who I mentioned earlier, and another fellow, Ash, who I went to art school with, who's also a local beat maker. Um, we were sitting around one day, we were working on some music, and um, I've had the idea for a long time that I just wish that, just because it seems like there's so many different kind of separate rap scenes here locally, I've kind of like, said we should have something that everybody can represent, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I guess we were kind of talking about that, just kicking that idea around. And so we came up with this idea for, we're going to call it the Richmond Renegades, kind of reference to the old hockey team. Kind of the idea more came from the idea, like, visually first. Like, you were talking about how, you know, that you were talking, brought that up earlier, because I think, not, you know, now that I'm talking about, I think the visual part did come first, of taking that old logo with the hockey stick and the R, mm. and just changing the hockey stick to the, like, the arm from the record player. Like, oh, yeah, that'd be dope. Oh, right, um, I got you. So, uh, I mean, I can send you a pic. I actually had shirts made. Um, so, I mean, first and foremost, the idea for the Richmond Renegades is to try to get just one, uh, you know, just one banner that, you know, something that everybody can have in common, you know. Even if just everybody has the same T-shirt, like you see somebody wearing that shirt, oh, hey, what's up, dude? Maybe they'll make a song together, you know, just trying to, you know, trying to bring some unity to the scene, Gary. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah, man. <laughs> I saw there wasn't that much unity in the scene, so, you know, I was trying to, like, have a positive middle attitude and get some unity in the scene. You know what I mean? That's so, a great idea. We tried, so it's called the Rich Number Renegades. I've been just going out. You know, the, the the logo is here to rap because the Renegades before, I remember I used to go to the games. The Renegades are here to win. But yeah. now the ridiculous. <laughs> well, it's not a competition, you know. We're just here to rap. So if you're in the Richmond area, you live in Richmond, and you make rap music, you're a Richmond renegade, whether you know it or not. See me for your T-shirt. They're awesome. really dope looking. So we, and, and and we're putting a mixtape together uh, for that now, where it's just like just trying to get everybody to donate a song or two. Just 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 kind of a compilation of a lot of local artists. Mm-hmm. And that's that's probably in the not too distant future. Um, but what I definitely wanted to mention on here, just because of I think the variety of different kind of people that might hear it, is the the the, the Renegades album what I what we're gonna do is like we were talking before about the whole process of sampling older sampling music and making that new music and the human centipede and all that stuff. The idea is to get local Richmond bands to donate their own song, not donate, but to share their their music that people might recognize with Richmond producers, so that all so that it, it's 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 all macrobiotic, you know what I mean? Like I hear you. Yeah. It's almost almost like a judgment night kind of thing or so, you know, just just more trying to pull everything together so that every beat is like a different you know, it's it, it, it's a Richmond producer chopping up music mm-hmm. from a Richmond band. And it's all Richmond and you know, we'll probably donate the money to something or something, but you know. That's an amazing idea. Yeah. I, and it's and it's still it's still just an idea, you know what I mean? I'm not you know I'm not gonna uh, bullshit you, but 
I just, I really wanted to say it on here because I think, you know, I, I just really want to get the word out, not just to rappers, but to like, you know, because cause that's the thing is there's so much different music here in town and most of us only know about a little bit of it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's jazz cats at Emilio's that have been doing, they've been at that spot, a metal brought for 30 years doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. It's five bucks every Friday. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that, you, you want to talk about culture? Like, these people have been doing this at the same spot for 30 years. You know what I mean? Let's all go, like, like next Friday, five bucks. Like, and there's so much of that. There's so many different scenes, you know? Like, and there's so much different kinds of music happening here. And I just think that would be a great way to, you know, because rap, because hip hop has that power. You can, like I was saying before, you can take a record from anybody, and I swear I wasn't trying to set this up, but you can take a record from any genre and make it into a dope beat, and that's what that's what we want to do right here, you know, because all the genres are here. That's one of the great things about Richmond. It's like, what's Richmond music sound like? It's like, are you kidding me? Like, that, that's just a ridiculous question, you know? Like, and that's one of the great things about this place, and I think you know, it'd be a good way to kind of like showcase that, you know. I think we got to wrap it up, man. I got to get running to class, but um, is there anything you wanted to say? I wanted to, yeah, there is something I wanted to say. Okay. Um, I read on your, uh, on the little webpage, or I guess the thing where you uh, listen to all your guys on, it said something yeah. about, uh, you know, you're just trying to do inspiring talks and maybe the inspiration that, you know, carries on. Mm-hmm. I want to say, I was, I was listening to a few of them before just to kind of, you know, see what I was getting myself into, and, you know, and I was inspired, Gary, like, you're doing it, man, I want you to keep doing it, like, it sounds like, it's, like, I put it on, like, I, I, I told you what, right when you called me, I was like, it's just, like, NPR, but better, man, like, it really, I could, I could just sit there and listen to it, man, and, 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 uh, and it really did, dude, especially, like, the Ed Edge one did, some of the stuff he was talking about, and so keep doing your thing, Gary, because, like, that's your mission statement, I think, like, you're doing pretty good so far, man. Well, thanks, man. Well, it was great talking with you, and uh, we hey, hope buddy. to uh, hear from you and the Richmond Renegades pretty soon. Holler, yeah, holler at your boy. And hey, um, I've been just all the new music, but the how I distribute it right now, what I'm doing, I have an email list where I just, as soon as I finish a song, I just send it to everybody. Uh-huh. Um, RVA at Gmail. You email me, I'll put you on the list, and then it's just free music. Yeah, periodically. Oh, hell yeah. In your inbox, no strings attached. And that concludes part four of our four-part interview with Ben. I'd like to thank Ben for taking the time to talk with me, and I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. All of our episodes are available at variousthings.org. This interview was recorded on April 1st, 2014.